Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hold it. Don't nobody move. We're going to talk to Dr. Rachel Benikoffer here in just a second. But I have to tell you about our Patreon page at BobSuskaShow.com. It's absolutely the best way to support this independent podcast. If you can sign up for as little as $1 a month or as much as $15 a month. In fact, if you sign up at the $15 a month level, you'll get our Tuesday and Thursday shows presented without commercials. We'll take all the commercials out for you. Plus, you'll also get two post-mortem mini shows recorded after the credits on our Tuesday and Thursday podcasts. And you'll also get the subscription-only After Party podcast on Fridays with its revealing discussions about sex, drugs, rock and roll, and politics. Again, that's bobseskashow.com, or just click the all-caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, August 12, 2020, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. My guest today is one of my favorite guests ever. Returning to the show today is the great Dr. Rachel Bittekoffer, the election whisperer. Her forecast for the 2018 election nailed the outcome of that midterm, and she's continuing her work within the Scannon Center and now the Lincoln Project. She also launched a brand new YouTube show called The Election Whisperer, link in the description at bobseska.com. Meanwhile, if you like what you hear, make sure to go shopping through our Amazon link also at bobseska.com, right beneath the logo. Okay, let's talk about all things 2020 with Dr. Bittekoffer. First of all, before we get into Kamala Harris and the election and everything, I noticed you have your own YouTube show now, which I don't think you had the last time we spoke. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, the Election Whisperer is a it's a, it's a show that I created and it's on YouTube, so it has no rules. I I get to do whatever I want on it. I call it an Election Nerd Disneyland. It really is designed to be like that. It's meant to fill a niche that you know um, it's for wonks. So it's very it's very it's like uh, bringing my lectures alive, yeah. kind of with a but like but as if like. Like as if I could back then, though, have gotten some of the most talented 
big names in politics to come to my classroom. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't have, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Like, like I couldn't have gotten better Rourke to come talk to me about Texas, you know, but um, yeah, so it's a combination of, of like, you know, uh, bringing my brainiac Twitter feed to real life, you know, but you know, you can't like, usually when people like better on TV, they're they're doing these like five minute media hits on MSNBC yeah, and they're yeah. talking about something you know benign or it's, it, you don't get to get into detail so it's meant to fill in that and like so for example I'm doing these two convention specials that are upcoming um, for each week of the you know party conventions so right. I'm doing a DNC and RNC convention special and the DNC convention special I'm going to interview. Um, Ezra Levin and Shannon Watts, they run, um, she runs Moms Demand Action and Every Town for Gun Safety. That's uh, um, to uh, gun right interest groups. Mm-hmm. And Ezra Levin is the national chair for Indivisible, which is a group that popped up in the wake of, of Donald Trump's election, a grassroots, oh, yeah. um, you know, progressive group. And I will be or, uh, interviewing C- uh, Guy Cecil, who... Um, runs the biggest Democratic super PAC, Priorities USA, mm-hmm. which was, you know, created in the wake of Citizens United with the realization, oh, you know, <laughs> oh, shoot, the Republicans <laughs> are going to have this giant super PAC stuff. We better do yeah, it, too, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> you know, so I'll be hearing about how he did that and what it's like to run that and what they're doing because they do more than ads mm-hmm. and you know, it's really awesome, but, you know, they get to, but the nice thing is, is like, usually the people who are doing these interviews, they don't really know the kinds of questions to ask, you know, they don't, they aren't experts to be like, to like guide the interviewee down rabbit holes and yeah. like expert holes. So like, that's what makes the show, I think, unique is it gets super wonky and interesting because you've got me. So I'm usually the interview subject, and so it's like having two interviews mm-hmm. going on at once, you know, and I think that, that people really enjoy that element of it. Did you say you had and to... The... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, the RNC special is going to be really cool, because I've got, like, a basically a veritable who's who of never Trump <laughs> coming on, and we're going to be discussing, you know, like, you know, Lincoln Project and never Trump, and we're going to be discussing, like, the... And, you know, the the rise and the fall of the modern GOP and the Republican Civil War and what happened to their party. Because, you know, keep in mind this Republican Party that we have in operation now, you know, the entire brain trust of, of it has left. Yeah, yeah. Exiled and, and, I mean, they self-exiled, but they left the party, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's almost its entire intellectual class left the party. Yeah, and in fact, right? you know, I think that's one of the things, one of the many things we both have in common is we often communicate with the Project Lincoln guys. What have you heard with regard to their plans for after the election? Because that's the question I get more than anything else. Like, what are they doing? Is this just to get rid of Trump, or are they setting themselves up as maybe the seed that emerges into, like, a new Republican Party? Or is this a... uh uh, you know, a new uh, party realignment that they're involved in. What's your take on all of that? Well, to, for full disclosure to your listeners, I am. It's more than that, and, and I am not a Republican, by the mm. way. I, am, but I am a senior advisor on the Lincoln Project. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't <laughs> know I, that. That's amazing. I, yeah, 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 yeah. And I kick it with Never Trump quite a bit, and yeah. I have been kicking it with them 
since 2018 when they first reached out to me with my forecasting work. And actually, Never Trump was a lot more, uh, this should surprise nobody that follows me anyway regularly, a lot more uh, quick to embrace my research as a Mm -hmm. means of beating Republicans because, you know, uh, Democrats have been harder to infiltrate, frankly, and then get them to do and adapt new ideas and new technologies. Yeah. Never Trump's like, oh, you've got you've got a new system for identifying competition. Well, hell, bring it on over, you know? <laughs> yeah, shocking that they would be better at campaigning than Democrats. Yeah, that seems to be the trend. <laughs> so, um, so I'm really well. I mean, so, like, here's the thing I can tell you about Lincoln Project is mm. that I actually have a seat in the room where it's happening. I mean, nice. not in the ad cutting room, but in the other rooms. And I can tell you this with unequivocal certainty is that they aren't some secret front group that's trying to only kill Trump so they, so they can repurpose themselves and then come eat Democrats. OK, that's not what's going on in there. <laughs> yeah. They are um, they are 100 um, percent conditioned and, and of the purpose of destroying MAGA, like Trump and mm. MAGA, and are under no illusions that the only problem with the Republican Party is that it has Donald Trump at the head of it, okay? Yeah. And that's why, that's why they are going after the senators uh, and are going to, to spend aggressively to try to unseat and flip the Senate majority, you know? Nice. Yeah. And, um, you know, in doing so, not, I mean, these people have been completely castigated out of the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. There's no, like, you know, seeds that are being sent there. Now, there is division as to what should happen, you know, if the Republican Party gets destroyed and its scorched earth is the the, um, paradigm of the Lincoln Project is let's destroy and like nuclear annihilate the Republican Party. <laughs> yeah, so far, so far, nicely done. Involved with it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so like, let's say that 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 objective is re- achieved, and you've got um, a, a gaping crater where once the Republican Party, as it exists in 2020, stands. Okay, mm-hmm, right. Like, there's there is some division within those principles. It's eight principles. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's some division as to like at that point, do you come back in and try to rebuild a new Republican Party? You know, that is not a racist, bigoted, nationalistic uh, shithole. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but that, you know, that's not something that's going to be happening in the next few years. Okay. Mm, yeah, <laughs> something yeah. that would be happening in uh, successive election cycles because you. You you know, we're not, this is a problem. I I just don't think that, I mean, I think partisans have a hard time understanding or seeing the scope of the problem that we are facing because it is, you know, uh, unfortunately, I hear a lot of this in the far, far left. Oh, well, you know, let's just reelect Trump because, you know, we'll have some revolution in the streets and then we'll get (laughs) Medicare for all. No, guys, if you reelect Donald Trump, what you are going to get is a fascist regime and Hong Kong. Okay? Yeah, right. And right. there's not going to be any fucking soil <laughs> in there. Okay. Yeah. That's what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to be um, sitting on trains bound to like concentration camps, and a lot of people are going to die. So you know that's where we're headed, uh, and that's where uh, the Lincoln Project's head is. Yeah. So yeah. you know the utmost severity of the situation for them. They're not talking about party politics anymore. Yeah. They're talking about the survival of democratic small d democracy mm-hmm. and the basic constitutional structure of the 
democratic republic that we live in. And I hope some of it rubs off, if not all of it, rubs off on democratic strategists because those ads are the best yeah. ads I've ever seen. I mean, hands down. Yeah, well, and it's yeah. it's not only that they're great in terms of the messaging and the sharpness, and I love how they're poking Trump directly at his weaknesses, at his insecurities with, oh, he's weak and sad and just all <laughs> these great things. Yeah. And, and what it's doing is it's, I think, instructing the Democratic Party how to do that more effectively. And that is an invaluable service from that point of view alone, not to mention the amount of money that they're spending on uh, down-ballot uh, races as well. Just great oh stuff. Oh my gosh, yeah. yes. The left is getting a master class in mm-hmm. how to do election nearing in terms of the messaging component. And, there, and there's much more than, you know, the, the Lincoln Project is um, doing digital Some of those ads that you were just citing, those ads are, I mean, we've never seen anything like this, ads that are created um, for the purpose of raging psychological warfare on the one person, Mm -hmm. for Donald Trump, okay? And it's sad that we have a president who is so mentally weak that you can wage psychological (laughs) warfare on him, and it is exactly why he should not be in that office. Because if you think about, like, the Lincoln Project, if we're able to wage psychological warfare on him, then what must Russia be doing? That's no right. wonder he's talking to him eight times already this year, okay? <laughs> it's double the t- amount of times he's talked to Putin yeah. in 2019. So no wonder, right? Um, but the reason we do that is because it, it, it destabilizes him. It makes him spend, you know, 20 minutes at the Tulsa rally defending his water drinking prowess instead of talking about other things, you know? Um, So it is a masterclass in strategy and messaging. And, you know, for someone who has spent the last couple of years trying to get Democrats to understand, you don't do messaging and electioneering right. And here's this other group of people who do it better than you. And you don't want to do it exactly the way they did it because they did it so well that they drove their people nuts. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, an, or like a revolution and a civil war, and then the, now those people are so nuts that a pandemic and a Great Depression can't move their public opinion. You don't want to do that, okay? And I'm not saying you want to do that, but you want to do some of it, okay? <laughs> because, you, like, for example, you don't want to be involved in a high-stakes high congressional um, negotiation in which your side is the side that represents the interest of the people. Mm -hmm. And your side is the one that's saying, look, we have 30 million unemployed people in an economy that's stagnant and hitting like basically Great Depression unemployment numbers. And we want $3 trillion because the states are going bankrupt. People need these unemployment numbers so they don't go homeless. And we need these uh, rent freezes, you know, foreclosure freezes so that we can avoid literally something akin to the Great Depression where people lose their houses. That's right. And you don't want to do that and then, like, come out of the negotiation because the president and his party are taking the position of, number one, we don't think anybody needs any more aid because Mm -hmm. we're greedy. And number two, we also have this poison pill where we want to deconstruct the post office so we can still steal the election uh, in an anti-democratic you know, way. And so we're going to not do this deal with you because you're insisting on funding the post office in this bill. Yeah. And, and instead of coming out and doing a full court, like you would think, somewhere in this party – there would be a meeting. This is what we're going to do. The no- negotiation's going to fail on Monday. 
So we want everyone booked on shows on MSNBC, on CNN, on Meet the Press on Sunday, on Sunday talk shows, on, you know, everyone hit and do full court press. Here's the message. GOP, we, we try to cut a trillion dollars off this aid package. The GOP is trying to defund the po- post office to steal the election, and they're trying to kill, you know, deny American pe- the American people this much needed me- needed aid. Mm-hmm. And everyone hit the stump. Everyone hit yep. the stump with this message. That's how the Republican Party would do it. Yeah. And instead, it's it's it, like literally do none none of that. There's been no message at all. Like there's been nothing wow. except for yeah. some tepid appearances by Nancy. And Chuck Schumer, like, um, they've gone on a couple of interviews and they've made the argument. But, like, why not a full court coordinated messaging press? Mm-hmm. Like, it just blows my mind. Yeah. Like, why not? Why can't we do that? That's what they would do. Are you in touch with any Democratic strategists? I mean, as far as, like, putting this all down into memo form or something like that and sending it over to them. Here's what you need to be doing. Point A, point B, point C. Do it this way. It's as easy as filling in the blanks. And is there any effort to pass along some of this strategy to, you know, the, the chiefs of staff and so on to, to get the word to uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer? Well, you know, I have I have um, gone from obscurity to like, you know, I mean, apparently David Axelrod knew who I was when I did an event with him a couple of weeks ago. So I figure they must know who I am. There you go. And I put it out there in the public sphere, you know. So I got, you know, it's just frustrating to me because mm-hmm. we, it's not, it's just like, why, why can't we have these things? Like, why can't we just do those things? Right. It, it wouldn't be difficult, and it seems obvious, and I know other people agree with me. Obviously, you just heard it, and you thought it sounded good. Like, it's, it's yeah. so important. Well, I mean, like, you knew those negotiations were going to fail. Why wouldn't you have booked those Sunday talk shows? Yeah. It's, like, why wouldn't you have done that? Because like, if I was in charge of it, Bob, I'm not shitting you. That's exactly what I would have done. I mean, do you get the distinct sense that the Democrats are losing this uh, messaging war no, uh, with Trump or no? No, but no, but underperforming it. Yeah. They're underperforming mm-hmm. it. And I yet, see. here's the thing. Ultimately, at the end of the day, they need to protect this eight points, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way that you do it is you win the messaging war. That's right. Right? I mean, you have to keep these eight points. You've got to keep those independent leaners on your side. You need to make it clear to the, to, yeah, even the ones that watch the news, the message that they hear on the news is because the news has to keep their, their nonpartisan monifies in order. Congress failed to meet, reach, reach a deal. Yeah. They aren't going to say Nancy and Chuck, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer offered to take a trillion dollars off this aid package and still Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump rejected this deal. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. That's not what they're going to say. Okay, so you have to make that the point. You Mm -hmm. have to pull that. You have to make that. And I think there's this assumption in the Democratic Party that everyone reads the news and knows the details. When you're putting together your forecast, Rachel, do you factor all these things into it? And I'm talking specifically about um, what I've sort of been referring to as the old man in the sea concept, which is that we've got this candidate or now we have a a full ticket, a, a candidate and a running mate. 
and we're careening toward election day. But as we go, there are all of these impediments along the way. There's, of course, voter ID and other forms of voter suppression purges and whatnot. But now on top of that, there's foreign interference and the sabotaging of the Postal Service and all the rest of it down the line. It seems like as we go, the lead that uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have now gets picked away by these structural uh, impediments that the Republicans have created. Does that factor into your forecasting or is that just kind of noise? How does that work? So it was noise prior to this pandemic. Mm -hmm. So like my March update came out when Joe Biden was the nominee um, and at the end of the primary. So in March, and I said, you know, as I'm writing this, like we are shutting down the country in a never before seen, you know, (laughs) shutdown. And it wasn't obvious that Trump was going to screw it up, but it was Donald Trump. So my assumption was that he would screw it up. Um, You know, but I mean, just, you just almost cannot believe that he would do it so poorly. I mean, literally, if you were to say to a a person running re-election, here are a set of 10 choices, and five of them are optimal to win re-election, and five of them are the most dangerous things you could do to win re-election, he chose those five things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, like, literally the worst things he could possibly do. And so, you know, um, but I said in the forecast update, you know, it's impossible for me to say what the September update is going to say, given this pandemic is going to wash in, it's going to collapse the economy, and it's going to wash in this once, you know, never once in a century uh, event that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Luckily, you know, in my initial forecast, I did say, you never know, a once in a century event could come in, right? Yeah, shock um, to the system. So, yeah, shock to the system, right? So, um, but I said, I can't, I can't really tell you what it's going to be like, but my guess is, because of hyperpartisanship and polarization, it's not going to affect the race all that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of Trump's approval, that's exactly what we see. The man is is basically still at forty, you know, forty one percent. But what the September update is going to be focused on is okay. We had this four point negative partisanship structural advantage for the Democrat who became Biden, and now is Biden Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, and but we had this pandemic and uh, economic collapse come in. Didn't have to be a negative for Trump, but it is a negative because he mismanaged it so poorly. Yep. It could be um, a bigger negative if the Democrats were competent at messaging, but at least they have the Lincoln Project to <laughs> right. kind of fill in the, the weakness, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, you know, so that's basically created another four points. So, we ba- so the uh, updates could talk about this, this double effect, structural advantage for Democrats. Mm-hmm. The pandemic effect, which is ta- which was really pronouncing that pure independent advantage that my model already talked about, how pure independents were going to break advantage Democrats in this cycle. Now that advantage, so it was maybe 55-45, now it's like 60-40, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the other part of it is erosion of right-leaning independents who have hung with Donald Trump through this whole shebang, mm-hmm. you know, through Russia, through Ukraine, through it all. But... This man, pandemic, which affects them in their home, in their health, in their jobs, this has been the thing. Yep. Even with poor messaging effort on Democrats, it's something he can't gaslight around, and it has eroded some some of that support in his polls. 
So, and the thing with it is, too, it's not one of those events where it happens and you know it's going to erode, like an event that erodes, because it's going to keep happening, because Mm -hmm. the Republicans just keep doubling down. They're like, okay, now we're going to open schools, right? Let's go. (laughs) The data in Israel after the school opening was just terrible. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's going to peak in in late September, October, the school data. Mm -hmm. So it's going to re... It's like taking a wound that's partially healed and reopening it. You know what I mean? So um, it's going to reinvigorate any erosion that we see, I think, between now and September or October is probably likely to um, re-emerge back out for Biden. So that's a huge Mm -hmm. advantage for him structurally. But my uh, update is also going to introduce or talk about uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And it's going to say, look, the original forecast, there was not a lot of uncertainty. I knew turnout was going to be about 70% because it was going to go about 10 points over 2020 or 2016. Wow. It was going to be historic. Yeah. Right. It, I predicted a 10 point of a, uh, increase in 2018 that ended up being 14 points. Okay. Yeah. So 10 points is a pretty conservative estimate mm-hmm. of increase, uh, but you know, so it's hard to imagine a more than 70% turnout. Um, so with Harris, I mean, 70%. Yeah. However, now now we have this pandemic that has washed in, and it has created a ton of uncertainty about the act of voting, and that would be enough, but now we have this man who controls the presidency, the entire executive branch of, of the presidency, and he is explicitly telling us, I am going to make it hard for people's votes to make it to the place where they count voting, mm-hmm. because I think if they make it there, I'm going to lose my election. I mean, he's basically, I mean, it's like, um, you know, it's, 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 it's extraordinary, yeah. right? It's extraordinary that this man who is the president of the United States is telling the world in, in, in out form, I am going to make it hard for people to vote me out of office structurally. Yep. And so that is a, it's not a little bit of noise. It is an all out assault yep. on you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I am going to talk about that pretty aggressively in this model update. I'm not, I haven't written it yet, so I really can't tell you specifically how I'm going to deal with it. But I am going to talk about it because we have to account for, you know, we're going to have a full out war mm-hmm. coming from the GOP on, on trying to prevent those ballots from being counted. Right. So that, I mean, that's a problem, right? Along those lines, can you explain Trump's obsession with opening the schools? I mean, why the hell does he think keeping the schools closed helps Biden and the Democrats? I haven't quite been able to figure out what the electoral strategy is behind Trump's urgency to reopen schools, to start up college football, yeah, yeah. etc. Well, the college football is different, but the school thing is he the whole thing that he has gotten him. This is how he's gotten himself completely to where he is. Mm-hmm. He thought the whole time, like the reason, the reason he's where he is, is that he's, he has always been obsessed with opening the economy. Yeah. Okay. So schools he sees as, as, Oh, if I open the schools, people will go back to work. People will go back to shopping and doing all the things that I will see. make the economy grow. And then my condition will improve. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What he doesn't seem to understand is that the reason no one is buying or shopping or doing the things that is because the people with money, a.k.a. the educated, 
people who have lost their jobs are people like you and me. Mm-hmm. And we're not going out and spending money because we don't want to die. That's right. Right? There's no <laughs> good a reason as any. You know, it's not because yeah. our kids are home. Mm-hmm. It's because we. I, I'm not going to eat at Bonefish. Okay, <laughs> I might go there and get a to-go meal. Yeah. But I don't give a shit how much the sign looks cheery out front of it that says their indoor dining's open. I'm not going to eat in a restaurant. Yeah. It ain't happening. Yeah, the bang bang <laughs> the bang bang shrimp isn't worth getting COVID, I assure you. No doubt. Okay. And there may be plenty of stupid people in the South that yeah. will do that, right. like who are, you know, um who drink Fox News. But there's the, the South, you know, God bless the South, isn't the economic powerhouse of the country. Mm-hmm. Right. At the end of the day, the economic engine of the country are the parts that are highly educated and heavily democratic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so he thinks so that's how he's gotten himself in the pickle from the very beginning. And he shut down. He didn't do the national. He's the only person in the whole world that would have done what he did. Like there's no other GOP president that would have done that. Like Jeb Bush. Like no way. Like no person would have been like, okay, I'm up for re-election this year. A once-in-a-lifetime historic pandemic has come. And you know what I'm going to do? Instead of putting it in my hands, I'm going to outsource my political fate to 50 governors, some of whom are batshit nuts. <laughs> and I'm going to say, you figure it out. You go ahead and take care of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was I mean, a, that's crazy, dude. It, it was completely <laughs> a panic move. I mean, he was so concerned about specifically the Dow. Like, he's looking at the Dow and going, how do I keep this thing afloat? How do I keep this thing floating at around 26,000 or whatever it was at the time? And right at the height of the first section of the, the wave, no, uh, no, he no, decides, no. okay, liberate Michigan. Let's reopen now. And it was yes, because it was yes. out of sheer panic. It's yeah. sheer idiocy, right? Yeah, yeah. His whole plan from the beginning to the end, let's, instead of doing one big national shutdown, mm-hmm. I'm going to let every state decide for itself whether it's going to shut down at all yep. or when it's going to shut down. Well, it's a country with open borders, right? <laughs> so amazing. you can't do that and control the pandemic. There's no other place in the world that got their pandemic under control yeah. that didn't do a national shutdown. It's just I mean, staggering. That, you know what I mean? Yeah. I it mean, was he, so obvious from the moment that he decided not to do a national coordinated shutdown that there was never going to be a controlled pandemic. I'm never. amazed that no one stopped him and said, look, if you just have some discipline here and keep the country shut down for another yeah. four weeks, we'll be fine by July, August, and you'll be back on top as far as the economy goes. I mean, ostensibly. Yeah. I mean, that's what they would say he, to him. Like, enabled and or pushed yeah. Florida, Texas, Georgia into reopening, mm-hmm. right? Like, because, like, you know, when you look at the, like, the, the if you were to rewatch that play in real time, like, he's kind of pushing them to do it yeah. before he's, they start to actually get enthusiastic, then he starts to roll it back, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, he initially starts to kind of push them to do it, and they are just beginning their their um their trajectory up the hill. Yep. When they start to like announce their reopening. <laughs> the like, worst dude, time. Yeah. I, Just like stupid. nobody would do that. Like I mean, I mean, you imagine watching this play from across the pond, yeah. like anywhere else, Canada, and you're like, what are these people doing? Yep. That is lunacy. Like it makes 
No sense at all. Why would you do that? Your pandemic is just beginning and you're reopening. It's so mortifying. So yeah. It is more it's mortifying because we are supposed to be a science and technology leader. <laughs> right. And now we're now like we are the whole country is a leper colony. We like you can actually travel to more places right now internationally on a North Korean passport than you can with a US American passport. Yeah. In fact, going back to the uh, campaigns and advertising, Biden had a great ad out the other day where he showed the world map and then all the nations that are closed to Americans uh, filled in in red. And we're just completely isolated in this sea of red where we just can't go now because we're so utterly incompetent. Yes. And it's like, you know, that's the one thing I back to messaging. Yeah. I'm like, look, you cannot assume average Joe or Jane walking down the street understands that about this pandemic response. Mm-hmm. They do know, they do know, they do know at the like 30,000 foot level that he messed it up, but they don't understand specifically what did he do that was wrong. Yeah. So this idea that he didn't do a national shutdown, right? That he didn't use the federal government in any conventional sense of the term to deal with the sh- with the pandemic, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't realize that the reason kids are back at school in France is because they contained their pandemic and then they did a gradual reopen and now they can send their kids to school. Yeah. So like the reality that we're living in, this was not, this is not how it had to be. No. Like we did not have to live in a world where we didn't have college football when we couldn't send our kids to school and we had to have 170,000 dead Americans. That's right. This is a reality by choice. Oh yeah. And those of us who had been following Donald Trump's career leading up to the descent down the escalator, knew all along that this is a guy who makes horrible decisions and has always made horrible decisions and not enough people listened, not not enough people believed. Everyone thought that the presidency was so inconsequential that they can elect the host of the Celebrity Apprentice who lost money on casinos, uh, of all things. So, and and now now people are shocked. (laughs) But, you know, here's... Well, it's true, it's true, yep, yep. Well, here's the big question of the day, uh, Dr. Bittacoffer. Does Kamala Harris on the ticket help or hurt Biden's numbers? I mean, it's a broad question, but I think uh, a lot of people are trying to put together that calculus today of course it, it hurt i mean helps them you know big time yeah. i mean the biggest fear for me was that biden was going to be looking at these eight point margins and thinking oh i've got these you know right-leaning independent mm-hmm. and extra independent you know buffer coming from trump's mismanagement of the pandemic and now oh gosh you know what if i choose you know anybody with any kind of inspiration value and lose them. You know, I need to make sure I choose, you know, a Tim Kaine type person, which is exactly what Hillary Clinton did wrong in 2016 and exactly what I feared Joe Biden would do wrong in 2020. So I'm really delighted that that's not what happened because you're going to see such an enthusiasm advantage in that Democratic uh, activist base because right now, in the data, you can see this very clearly. There's tons of enthusiasm to get rid of Donald Trump, so that mm-hmm. negative uh, partisanship is is palatable. Yep. But there's there was very little excitement for the ticket, right? And you know, I'd like to have both. Yeah. <laughs> My elections, you know. 
So uh, getting some enthusiasm for the ticket, I think, was really important. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll get back to the dock here in just one second. But did you know that a large percentage of the face masks sold on the market today are fraudulent? Many of them claim to have levels of filtration they don't meet or worse, have virtually no filtration at all. A very small number of manufacturers have respirator face mask models that are tested in the United States by the NPPTL and authorized by the FDA. Buying a mask model that's been FDA authorized is the best way to ensure you and your family are getting a true respirator mask. These masks filter to greater than 95% efficiency and can be reworn, making them a perfect choice as wearing masks is one of the key things we can do to keep ourselves and our neighbors safe. Right now, the NewDealShop.com has FDA-authorized N95 respirator masks with anti-fake stickers on every single package so you know they work. These respirator masks are in stock in the United States and ship immediately for free for my listeners by adding the code SEXYLIBERAL, two words. You can even get 10% off the clean phone UV sanitizer just for buying these FDA-authorized masks. Go to thenewdealshop.com now and get verified, authenticated, FDA-authorized N95 masks shipped immediately to your home or business. That's thenewdealshop.com, thenewdealshop.com. Okay, we're all doing these Zoom meetings now. We're doing FaceTime things and so on. And sometimes we don't always look our best right before we have to go and do one of these group video chats. But here's the solution for you. First of all, make sure that no one takes screen grabs when you're looking your weirdest. Like you got a weird expression on your face or there's a freeze frame for some reason. The internet is slow or whatever. Don't let people take screen grabs and post them on social media. First rule. Second rule Get yourself some Plexiderm. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags, all in the comfort of your own home in just a matter of minutes. It's like Photoshop in a can. Plexiderm goes on clear and lasts for hours, so nobody knows your secret. Go to TryPlexiderm.com, use my code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm, plus an extra $10 off. Or try a $14.95 trial pack today by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code VOICES. Again, visit triplexiderm.com, use the code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle plus an additional $10 off. Or try a $14.95 trial pack when you use the code VOICES at triplexiderm.com. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. And will she uh, augment the negative partisanship on the other side? I mean, will Republican voters uh, who are getting to know Kamala Harris, will their negative partisanship increase because of her presence on the ticket or will it just be sort of flatline no i mean there's there you know there's probably a couple of people that you could put on that ticket that would increase negative partisanship like bernie sanders or, yeah. or aoc but you know it, it, the idea that someone like Kamala harris or gretchen whitmer or susan rice even with Benghazi could do that mm-hmm. no it takes um you know, average Republican voters, you, you, the only reason why the uh, other three exceptions that I just named would work is because they have been the focal point of thousands of Republican, you know, airwave hours and and, and direct mailers and advertisements. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like that's what it, I mean, people really underestimate how hard it is to get people to know even know about the existence of a candidate, let alone develop negative partisanship relative to someone. Right, right. Well, it looks like the Trumpers and, of course, Fox News Channel, uh, their first move out of the gate is to suggest that Kamala Harris isn't really part African. That's what they're saying. It's basically a repeat of the 
Pocahontas attack or like some form oh, of re- reverse birther movement. You know, all the white guys on Fox News Channel are now the arbiters of whether someone who is part African is really African. It's an amazing thing to look at. I mean, do you think that attack will stick or is it just a desperate move? Just a desperate move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really is. Shows that they don't know how to go after Kamala Harris yet, which seems strange given that she ran for president already and has been on the national stage. They they just seem to be recycling a couple of other things. They're like recycling birtherism or a form of that. They're recycling the Pocahontas bit. They couldn't come up with something that was unique to Kamala Harris, so they're just taking attacks that they would have used against other candidates. That just seems to me as if they're just completely bereft of ideas. Yeah, well, it also seems to me like a common theme is to revert to, you know, things that are, um, you know, at their sub-level racist and bigoted and, you know, just not, (laughs) you know. Yeah, I mean, is is that in and of itself a sign of desperation that both Fox News Channel and Donald Trump, along with his campaign, are just securing their base. They're securing their diehards. They're not trying to expand their coalition at all, and which seems illogical given that they're only at about 42, 43%. You can't win a national election with those numbers. So yeah, is can. that a... Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess you can. you can. I guess you can game the Electoral College. That's true. But no, I mean, yeah, no, sure you can. Let me tell you exactly how you can do okay. that. Because here, because in America, because in our election cycle, especially in midterms and off years, but even in this presidential, mm-hmm. it's ultimately about who shows up to vote. And we're not talking about 100% of people. We're not even talking about 70% potentially when you uh, make it really hard to vote and you're, you know, trying to, um, you know, disrupt the post office and yeah. vote by mail or whatever, right? And so, you know, their plan is, okay, if, if, if Democrats only show up at 60%, but the Republican voters in, in, in this swing district show up at 75%, mm. they can offset a lot of, a lot of off, um, a lot of loss on the swing vote. That's what their plan is. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why if somebody's listening to this show and considering voting for a third party candidate, I would, de- I would just ask you, to definitely reconsider that decision and ask yourself, do you really want to live in a world without espresso? Because I don't. <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, there's. I know there's a one particular group of Bernie former Bernie supporters. They don't like Bernie Sanders anymore, but they're forming their own third party, ostensibly in preparation for 2022 and 2024. And my reaction to that is. Oh, you're presuming there'll be an election in 2022 and 2024 no if Trump wins. No doubt. Yeah. And that's that's where we're at, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, they're not going to look, kids. Let me explain to you how a revolution works in the real world. Right? It's not going to be a peaceful sit around and and raise like pass the cone around yeah. and you know uh, don't clap, use your hands to clap. That's not. I mean, people are going to shoot you, mm-hmm. and not just the people on the other side. People on this side are going to shoot you. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> because, Human nature is actually not all that attractive when it's been reduced to, um, you know, there's no power, there's no food, 
But you yeah. don't want to live like that. Oh, God, Haven't I know. you ever seen any footage from a war-torn area? It's not pleasant. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. I mean, the, the whole idea of a revolution was always foolish from the point of view that there are a lot of people who liberals are trying to help through social programs and everything like that who would get completely steamrolled in the context of no pulling doubt. down no the... Doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's such a fantasy that it, it doesn't make any sense oh. when you play it out in reality. That's absolutely no true. Doubt. So drives me nuts. One of the things, uh, Doc, that uh, people are kind of throwing around today, um, kind of speculating that Donald Trump might drop Mike Pence and replace him with someone who would put Trump sort of on the same level as the Biden-Harris ticket. So, like, he would drop Pence for, say, Nikki Haley or even Ivanka Trump. What do you think of that? Have you heard that? And do you think there's even a remote possibility of that actually happening? Well, because it's Donald Trump, nothing's impossible. Because that would be strategically yeah. stupid to do, but he's yeah. a strategically stupid man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. you have to take into account that he is he is a man who, given 10 choices to respond to a pandemic, mm-hmm. five of which is going to make the pandemic one of the worst in the world, and five of which would take care of the pandemic, he chooses the five that are the worst, Yeah, right? <laughs> Um, you know, so it's totally possible that he could do that. I would never say it was impossible. I just mm-hmm. say I don't think it's likely because you have to assume, you know, other people are telling him, no, you can't do that. The evangelicals would not like it, Yeah. Uh, given ha- tra- what a happy warrior Pence's it would come across as an even worse version of the Sarah Palin you, nomination in 2008. Yeah, Just God, a desperation, yeah, Hail Mary pass, right? Well, as I've pointed out on numerous times, Pence is not the problem on the Trump-Pence ticket. It is the other half of the ticket that is the problem. Right, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, Let me ask you this, too. I think this is on a lot of people's minds right now. Certainly it was on my mind last week when I was hearing that Kanye West is now being shoehorned onto some ballots thanks to his Republican uh, red hat allies. Is Kanye West a shock to the system or is he just a non-factor in your estimation? No, I mean, he is being put on, you know, in my opinion, strategically put into the race, lured into this race because he's mentally ill and therefore um, easy to manipulate in hopes of, you know, being present either as a write-in because he's got universal name recognition, so he doesn't really need ballot access, though it certainly makes it easier for um, you know a low a low info voter, twenty year old white kid like my son who's mm-hmm. dumb to walk into a ballot booth and go oh Kanye West for the birthday party, you know and yeah. fill it out, um, you know uh, so it's certainly easier to be on the ballot. But even with support which he will get from the Trump campaign, mm-hmm. you know advertising him as a writing candidate. I mean when you have universal name ID, everyone knows who Kanye West is, yeah. you know. Or, I mean, if in a close uh, election, like what we saw in 2016, 10,000 mm-hmm. votes to Kanye West in a major state could be decisive, you know? So yep. it's certainly nothing to uh, sneer at, and it's certainly nothing that, um, you know, shouldn't be looked at derisively, considering that, you know, it's not like Trump wants to win the election so that his, because his platform and programs uh, is, is, you know, he wants to beat Biden because his platform or program is better for the black community and so therefore he's kind of you know reaching for the stars to do everything he can to win to help the black community mm-hmm. he's 
trying to um, convince, you know, people to vote for Kanye West so that he can screw over the black community. So it's, yeah. you know, it's particularly uh, disgusting, but, you know, it's, it's par for the course for the modern day GOP. So will your next forecast reflect Kanye's presence on the ballot in states like Wisconsin and so on? I mean, it's not going to reflect it directly. But I mean, will you incorporate Kanye West's existence into uh, your forecast? I mean, certainly I'm going to consider it. I mean, if the polling tightens up as we move through in that into those final race ratings, but mm-hmm. it's not something I plan to have. I'm much more concerned with, you know, is the president going to use the powers of the federal government to prevent ballots from making it to the to the place where they get counted? Yeah. <laughs> That's much more problematic to me. <laughs> You know, uh, Dr. Bettikoffer, I just, I love your energy. Um, how do you maintain your enthusiasm for all of this, given, you know, the news on a daily basis? I find I've been doing this for a long time, and some days are better than others, that's for sure. How do you maintain your uh, your upness for all of it? That's a good question. I, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Lots of drugs, you know. Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, you almost made me snarf my coffee. My coffee almost came out of my nose. That almost happened Intervenous just now. ecstasy, buddy. Intervenous <laughs> ecstasy, you know. <laughs> so that's the God, secret. I okay, I, I need yeah, to figure that out. If, if Trump wins, that's my exit plan. You know, if I can't get out of the country, I suppose, you know. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. So tell me, uh, when does the next episode of The Election Whisperer drop on YouTube? Well, it's funny you should mention that because it looks like my my poor um, out of power for a week uh, in Long Island producer has finally gotten a uh, slightly altered episode out that All was right. an interview with the great Zerlina Maxwell, who oh. has a new book called White Identity Politics, nice. uh, The End of White Politics. Um, and uh, we were going to do a whole episode on that, but we have decided just to go with the long interview with her since it turned out so great anyway. Mm-hmm. And so that has just finally made it out, and I am so excited that it's only, you know, been a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So uh, I just got out, and I urge everyone to go check that out. Check out other episodes of the show, which are, um, you know, not just an interview, and these uh, convention specials, I'm hoping, are going to be really sweet. And I'm, I'm trying to go to Texas for my tex- Texas special. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be hanging out with Beto O'Rourke and a bunch of these Texas uh, candidates as they seek to flip the Texas state house and pick up uh, some of these Texas uh, house races that were left on the table uh, or not even known to be competitive in 2018. And so I'm going to be doing a Texas um, special down there. I'm really excited about that, too. Well, I'm going to be frantically refreshing your YouTube channel, frantically refreshing your Twitter feed from now until November 3rd, and and certainly beyond that, too. So keep up the great work. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Really, really appreciate it. Had a great time. Well, thanks for having me. Take care, Rachel. All right. Bye-bye.